my first night on patrol in the 2-3 was the best. It was a midnight tour. I was working with um, Terry Whalen. May he rest in peace because he passed away. There was a robbery in the 19th precinct like maybe an hour before, an hour and a half earlier. Some I see some kids coming out of the train station on 103rd and Lex. And I go, Terry, don't those guys match the script from the robbery in the 19th? And he puts it over the radio and all the cars come flying. And sure enough, it's the perps. You know, they, we get them. They bring them into the precinct. You know, it's definitely the perps. They rob some girl in... Um, in the train station, I believe on 86th Street, they stole her ring. Um, so we, they get them and they, um, everybody's around the precinct, all these, back then the cops were really tall, as tall as you. They were like, all oh, like real <laughs> big, tall guys. And um, and here comes Emma Rivera. And I'm standing there, like this little 20 year old, and, and Terry's saying, all right, okay, who's gonna take the collar? And, and um, Ray Rodriguez, I believe his name, who's taking the collar, or Duke, who's taking the collar? And Terry goes, wait a minute, let me ask my partner. Irma, do you want the collar? I go, if it's okay with everybody. Because <laughs> I thought it was, it was my collar anyway, right? No, it was your collar, but right. just the fact that that was endearing. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, I'm so excited about this week's episode. We have Detective First Grade Irma Rivera, retired, but she has a wealth of experience, 10 years in Manhattan Special Victims, and she finished her career in Manhattan South Homicide, and now she's a private eye. Sexy private, I like to have on TV. Uh All right, great, man. We covered her whole career. Thanks for coming, Irma. Hey, what's up, everybody? Okay, so we're here. Uh, Like Bill said, he mentioned uh, Irma Rivera is with us today. Uh, better, Better known... In the NYP detective as Miss Homicide. That's not true. <laughs> yes, it is. I saw it, man. I looked you up on Google. It's there. Wow. Yeah. They did a life. They did a pilot, right? A lifetime pilot based on you. No, it wasn't. It was based on stories that um, one that you case told that them. One case yeah, I worked it's, on. It's on you about this uh, amazing uh, detective. <laughs> We've had some uh, tremendous storytellers here, so we're counting on you to come up with some amazing stories. And I know you don't have to make them up because you live them. Okay. Right. I'm a little right. bit shy, you know that. We'll go a step at a time, okay? So I just want to know something. Where are you living right now? I live in the Bronx. Oh, you live in the Bronx? Yes. In a house? No. No, you got an apartment? TMI, too much information. Yeah, I do have no, an apartment. <laughs> there's a reason why I'm asking no, you No, an this. apartment, yes. Oh, yeah? Co-op? <laughs> yes. Or condo? Co-op. Two-bedroom? Three. Three. See, this is, what, this is my point. You see what I'm getting at? Because Irma, uh, she grew up in the projects. Yes, I grew up in New York City housing. And the idea that you were going to get out of there at a young kid and be able to one day own a three-bedroom. And I guarantee you this isn't in the south part of Bronx, is it? No. No. <laughs> well, you probably live next to me. Are you in Country Club? No. That's where I live in She's Country Club. She's not going to give you the, the geographic area. No, but listen, my point, my point is get, we're getting to know Irma here. And Irma comes from very humble beginnings. Yes, I do. Pa- uh, Puerto Rican? I'm Puerto Rican, 100%. yes. 100%. 100%. Immigrants, first generation? Yes, and your parents, they moved into the, into the projects. Yeah, my mother um, came into New York like in 1948, 1950. Um, she came with her aunt who owned the factory in on 116th Street. So her grand, her what kind aunt, of factory? Her aunt was like one of the um, Puerto Ricans that came here who you know had careers. She owned, thrived. Right. She had a clothing factory. Uh-huh. Um, her name was Mercedes Mercedes Pacheco. Uh huh. And um, she had a factory on 116th between 3rd and Lexington. What kind of factory was it? Clothing. Okay. So my mother um, came with her when she was like in her 20s. And uh, my mother was illiterate. She never went to school. Her mother committed suicide when she was like four years old, five. And she grew up with, um, you know, with... uh, 
a stepmother, father, you know, her father, but she was uneducated. And at the age of six, she um, got burned and she had a really bad fire burn on her, on her torso. So she suffered a lot as a child, my mother. Um, and then she came to New York and she unfortunately met my father. <laughs> now, I, 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 no, I can't say that. My father was a good man, but I'm just so shocked that my mother would have wound up with a man like my father. Why, the opposites? Oh, my God. My father was like typical machismo, you know. Well, um, that's what, what attracted to her, probably. Yeah. yeah. He told me that he used to ride the trains, and he would see my mom on the train, and she had a really small waist, <laughs> and he would try to flirt with her. And um, Of course he would, man. She would ignore him. Then It wasn't the Me Too movement back then. No, no. That's how our, that's how our parents <laughs> met back then. Mommy. No, he, he, he tried to talk to her. He said that she would just hold on to the, you know, to the handle, to the, yeah. to the train handle and ignore him. And then, uh -huh. like, after a couple of weeks, he didn't show up. Then one day, he she shows missed up. Him. She shows up and she says, oh, where you've been? Where's and from boyfriend? there on, it was like history for my mom, my poor mother. Wow. That's great, man. I how bet many, he was a good looking dude, too, right? How many did you have? My father had, uh, I had, uh, my father had three children prior to marrying my mother. Okay. Um, so. Hold on, we're having mic difficulties here. My father had three go. children prior to being with my mother. Actually, of they were, course he did. He was a player. And they were actually <laughs> he was Irish. on the subway, rapping to chicks on the subway. <laughs> and my sisters are Irish, Puerto Rican, and German, actually. Uh -huh. They're mixed. So my mother wound up raising them as her own children. Wow. Yeah. And, they were my, and, and I consider them my brothers and sisters. They are. I love them so much, yes. And you all grew up, family's the best. Yeah. And you grew up in the Lower East Side? I grew up in, in Alphabet City. Alphabet City, when it was nice back then, right? With the junkies. Yeah, it was the greatest, right? <laughs> when, uh, when, you, when you had family get-togethers, did you guys sing, I like to be in America? <laughs> <laughs> See, you're stereotyping. Did you, <laughs> did you like that movie, Alphabet City? Remember the movie, Alphabet yes, City? Yes, I do. It was pretty good. Wasn't that guy so hot? <laughs> what was his name? Vincent Spano. I don't remember. That was a very popular movie, uh, yeah. Alphabet City, yeah. It, it, I, I enjoyed growing up in Alphabet City, like, you know, growing up was hard because, like, my sister actually was a heroin addict. Wow. My sister was a heroin addict in, like, 1960s. Somebody in the family is going to be at least one person. She, if you live down older, there. Older than you? Younger yeah, than she's you? my half-sister. Okay. She was older, yeah. She was, like, maybe 16. Did she 15. beat it? Or? Yeah, she, I mean, she lived a great long life, you know. She um, stopped drinking, you know. Um, actually, she really didn't stop drinking. She stopped using drugs, but yeah. she continued drinking. She raised her kids pretty well, you know. She, she turned out to be okay. She died oh. a couple of years ago. Oh. Yeah. yeah, there was a lot of heroin back then. Oh my God! How did you avoid it? By luck, let me tell you. There was chance. There were times where I could have easily strayed. I had friends who strayed. I had friends who did everything. I mean, I watched them. Young do age it. too, right? Yeah, I, I wouldn't do anything. My parents would have killed me. My father. But that's good though that you had. You have to have the parents there. Somebody that you're fearful of. You don't want to embarrass them or disappoint them. I'll tell you one thing, like when I, growing up in the Low East Side, actually East Village, it's really the East Village, people argue with me about mm -hmm. it being the Low East Side, but it's actually the East Village, Alphabet City. Um, when I was a kid, I worked in the supermarket on 13th Street and Avenue B, and I used to work there, and there was a guy who used to come to my register all the time, his name was Buddha, he was a big Low East Side drug dealer, like the biggest drug dealer in that neighborhood on 11th Street, he's always come on my register, try to talk to me. How old to, were you? Like 15, 14, he used to try to walk me home, uh -huh. and um... What happened was um, I, I started hanging out with this, this one girl, my friend Evelyn, and she hung out with these two other girls who were kind of a little bit shady. And I hung out with them a couple of times throughout the summer, you know, that summer. And one night they tell me, um, let's go to Times Square. And I knew I could never go. But I said, okay, let me just go with them. And what I went, year was this? Oh, my God, like 1972, wow. 73, around there. So I go with them to um, some Times Square. And they go, we got to make a stop in this building. We go into this building. 
knock on the door, they open the door, who's there? Buddha. Oh, he, he sent for you. The guy from my register, they come wow. to my register. They, they leave me alone in the apartment with him. They leave, and they leave me alone there with him. Those were not your friends. I was so scared. I mean, to this day, I think about it. It still scares me. And um, Buddha proceeded to um, try to kiss me. I started crying, saying, my father's going my father's gonna kill me, please don't like so he didn't do anything to me. What he did was he made me sit there and take capsules, like pills, and separate the uh, the powder that was in the capsules. Mm-hmm. And I separated the powder, I sat there, I cried. He left. Before he leaves, he shoots up heroin in front of me. Ugh. Takes a belt, ties it around, shoots up, leaves. And he comes back later on. But one thing that I noticed, his door, the only way you can get the chains off the door, you had to hit the switch. I watched him hit the switch, and I watched the chains come off the door. So if I had tried to leave, I probably couldn't have left, because I would have not known that. Wow. And so then the girls came back, and I never hung out with them again. Of course not. And that was it. I stopped in. I was very careful who I hung out with, but they tried to set me up. And I never knew about that kind of stuff, because I didn't grow up exposed to that. Yeah, you were innocent to that. Yeah, until I went to sex crimes. Oh, my God. When I went to sex crimes, I was shocked at the stuff that I saw. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So you're growing up on the Lower East Side, and um, what age do you start thinking about taking the police test? Since I was like six years old. Oh, so you always wanted to be a cop. What happened when 1968, when I was a like um, in first grade, I was walking by PS34, which is, was the school on 12th Street off of Avenue D. And I'm walking by and I see the first time I've ever seen a policewoman in my life. And I saw her and it was, a, it was a, a black male cop and a female cop. And they waved at me. And I remember looking at the female cop and saying to myself, oh, my God, that's what I want to become. I want to become a cop so I could be, always be outside because my parents were so strict because yeah. I was the only girl. They made me like stay home all the time. You know, so I said I want to become a cop, and from there on, I from there on I continued saying that I want to become a police. How officer. many brothers did you have? Three brothers, and, yeah, well, and my half brother Butch, who's still my brother. The, that's prevalent, though, that the dads, especially back then. I remember a lot of girls weren't allowed out. I used to talk to, uh, like, the first girl that I ever became friends with. She lived on the first floor of the building my grandmother lived in, and I used to. We had a whole relationship just talking from the from the outside <laughs> to her first floor apartment there. Yeah. You Just, were pretty tall, though. You were right at the yeah, almost. window. And then she, she, she was growing her hair out, so <laughs> yeah. if I would have stuck around two more years, I would have been able to climb in. But you know something? You always you worked in the 2-3 a lot. And I, I, you, when you work in the hood, you find the kids that survive are the kids whose parents don't let them hang out. I love right? That's one thing that's well, really Well, they have a so better true. chance. Yeah. yeah. The, if the parents are strict, I really believe in being a strict parent. I mean, I asked my daughter, I crash parties that she's at now. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but I'm... Um, I believe in being How old is strict. your daughter? She's 16. That's yeah, the troubled age too. Yeah. 16 is tough, right? Yeah. Well, you have to keep in contact with them. Yeah, freshman year freshman year, freshman year in high school, I crashed a party. I mean, I embarrassed her, but I, I really don't give care. a crap. Yeah. She's my daughter. Those people are going to mean nothing to me or to her in a couple of years. So, right, right. you know, right now, the most important thing is keeping her on track. And that's, the more, my, my daughter is my priority right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, back to, what was his name? Buddha? Buddha. You got out of there. Oh, my God. I'm so lucky nothing happened to me. My father would have did you killed ever, me. Did you ever bump into him periodically throughout the years after that? I, he used to come to my register. I would never. I would just. Even really after afraid, that. I was really afraid of him. Yeah. Yeah. He sent for you. He was <laughs> trying to get you. And then yeah. he was even showing you how to work for him as a drug, <sighs> a drug I know, person. I know. I, ne- I never told my parents that. I, I, I think if my brothers hear this, this will be the, probably the first time they'll hear this story. You're probably embarrassed that you let that happen to you. I wasn't embarrassed. No. I was more like afraid that my 
father would kick my ass for even going okay. with them to Times Square, you know. So did you get things. your fake ID when you went to Times Square? No, I, I never had a fake <laughs> you ID. Got, well, you were there. You didn't no, catch a peep show either. No, I didn't drink till I, I was in the police academy. Uh huh. I never did, drank alcohol. Did you go to uh, Catholic school? No. I should have. <laughs> you seem no. like you seem like you have that background. Yeah, like no, I went to you're public. Gu- you're guilty about everything, so. <laughs> no, no, I went to public school. No, I'm not guilty. I used to be more guilty when I was younger. Not anymore. Yeah. I'm not. It's different. You le- you learn to uh, appreciate life a lot, especially working in homicide. And you took the uh, the police test as soon as you could. How old were you? I took the police test when I was 17 years old, and I came off the 8155 exam. Uh-huh. So it was great when I went into the police academy. So you were 20 years old. When I was you 20 went? years oh old. I had seniority over all these guys. It was the best. I had vacation pics before them. So you were like a little baby when you went 20. on the call. Oh my god! Yeah. 20 years old. What did they put? Did they pull you out and uh, make you go buy beer? <laughs> they know, no, the drinking age was 18 then. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, you caught it. You caught it. I caught it the opposite. Oh. So you I'm like two years behind you. So, you must have um, all the police academy instructors going after you. You yeah. had to hold them off, no? No, not at all. I was like such a tomboy. I don't think anybody even liked me, really. <laughs> I doubt that. No, I don't, maybe I didn't notice. I don't Either think that, so. Either that or you turned out really good. You, you matured late. <laughs> no. You know, it's funny about the lifetime thing that I wanted to bring up. It's like, the, you know, apparently they, they thought so much of your career that somebody wanted to do a pilot on it. It was it was actually Rick Torelli. He worked in my office. Him and um and Kevin Kaufman. You know they have a company and they the um, Kaufman Films. Yeah. yeah, and he's the one who approached me. You know, it was them. I can't give give credit to anybody else but them. You know. But and it, uh, it only aired once, so come on. No, know? but I'm wondering. <laughs> I'm wondering how many uh like the basis for I know uh, Jennifer Lopez had a, uh, a show where she played a. A female detective on the NYPD, and it was on as oh, early as last year. I saw that show. A couple of shows, and I'm wondering how much of that was based on you. Oh, I don't, I don't think none of it. I don't no. know. Yeah, you'd be surprised, man. They know. steal stories, and you don't even know they did. Well, you know? they'll watch it, you know. I hear the girl on Blue Bloods. People say, "Remind." And you know, me. you know, the funny thing is too. Uh, well, there you go. If they come and they stick around you, they'll, they'll pick up stuff. Well, Richard Price, I'm his character in a few of his books. Okay. Yeah, Richard Price, I'm his character in uh, Lush Life, The Whites, and a couple of his books. I read that book, The Whites. It's a good mm-hmm. book. Yeah. 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 And the reason why is uh, because well, one step at a time. You went to the police academy at 20 years old. And um, took the test when I was 17. All my diaries since I was a kid say, say I want to become a cop and work in the 23rd precinct, which I did. Wow. Why the 20? Why, why the 2 3? Because <clears throat> my aunt used to have a pizza shop on 109 and 3rd. It was called Ixas Pizza. And she had that pizza shop back in the 76 around there. And when I used to go there to help them during the summer, um, there was always two or three precinct cops hanging out in there, like Schulte, police officer Fox. They would hang out in the back, you know. Drinking beer, <laughs> bringing their scooters in the back. I'm uh-huh. just riding on you guys. They'll stay old. They're that they're old. Time <laughs> statute of limitation expired. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so um, you know, so I I was familiar with the cops in the two three, and I used to like the fact that it was Spanish Harlem. So you liked the neighborhood. Yeah. So I figured, you know, that'd be a nice place for me to work. I where, make- where was the first place you landed when you graduated from the academy? NSU four, the two O Central Park. The two three and the nineteenth and the nineteenth. Yeah. So you made it. Yeah, that's great. That was that, that was a favor. Someone did me a favor on that. Did you have um, Bobby McGinnis as an FTO? No. Who were your FTOs back then? Jimmy Smith. No, not Jimmy Smith. Um, guy that they From call NYPD Smitty. Blue? No, Smitty Levine. <laughs> oh yeah, Levine was old. Mike Levine was yeah, it? He was yeah, he was good. I, I liked yeah, him though. Yeah, he yeah. was good. He's amazing. One thing he taught me, Mike Levine. <clears throat> I had a lot of good teachers throughout the years. Mike Levine was a real old timer. 
And he, what he taught me was always leave the windows open, even in the winter. Because you can hear. Yeah. And, and the truth is, I even sleep with my windows open in the winter. Like, I've, I got just so used to the cold. I, I love the cold weather. Um, and Chris yeah, that's Kring- annoying, by the way. And Chris Kringle. You in don't like winter, the cold weather? No, in the winter, close the windows. Oh, no, like the open. You're letting the heat out there. I was exactly like that. I came from that anti-crime school, and mm-hmm. I wanted to hear the street. Yeah. You know? And when guys would play the radio, I'd say, turn that damn radio down. How are you going to hear yeah. what's happening on the street, you know? You know, when I was younger, I read a book. It was called Sounds of Summer, Mus- Sounds of Summer Music, I believe it was called. I don't know what the book was about, but I always remember the title, Sounds of Summer Music. And when I was a cop on the street, I remember in Spanish Harlem in the summer, you used to always hear that song that played the whole summer. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. you're in the jungle sometimes. It makes yeah. you wonder. Suck Rem C's. Suck Rem C's was one. Right? Wow, um, don't stop believing the girls <laughs> yeah. singing in the door. I mean, so I love the summer, and I love the sound of summer music. I love the sound of That's the streets. That's one thing about New York City. When we grew up, there was one song that, was, that played out of every, every boombox, every car. Every window, apartment building window, it was that that one song that no matter where you go. Uh, I remember there was one. Um, the was it the Gap Band? Oh, I'll think of it later. But Sucker MCs was one. Yeah, that you know, took you over the whole summer. No more boom boxes either. You know, that's a shame. You, right? you know what's funny? You know what's funny when you say that? I remember like being in, um, working one one day um, in the two three. Was it in the two three? I might have been already in, in sex crimes. And you ever you ever walk driving around the city in the bad neighborhoods, and you're driving in your po, in, in your precinct, and also you see the guy that stands out. He has a big boom box on his shoulder. You know, he just got out of jail because that shit's not in style anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Walkman's on it. That's the guy standing there with his big boom box. Yeah, so you know he's been in jail. The, he just got the, out. The guys in the car that have speakers that can supply music for the oh entire my God. Yeah. East side, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. annoying too. The by the way, vibrate. there's no reason. I mean, we went through a couple of years of that here in the city where every single piece of shit car had this uh, <laughs> horrible sounding system in it. I can't imagine it sounded any better in the car because it was so loud. Like they had the speakers <laughs> that would take up the whole trunk, just you hear idiotic. Music that and then loud it, when you were it's in the car. so it's, ignorant. It sounded so horrible outside the car, you yeah. know. Yeah, but so now like this guy's walking around in a boombox, and some guy's got headphones on. He doesn't even need a cord anymore. <laughs> you know, it's just like signaling in through his phone. <laughs> That's right. So different. Remember when the fax machines first came out? Oh god! I was in sex crimes when the fax machines came out. I can I can comprehend how in the world you send a paper through this machine and it comes through the phone lines. I know, and right. I was like, how the hell does this happen? You know? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, it was never clear. You could hardly read it, right? Yeah. Those were the beginning fax machines. Do, remember, remember, remember when we had to do DD5s on pinks and you, yeah. get, and you make that. a mistake out of rip it up. Yeah. A DD5 yeah, yeah. for our thousands of listeners, are, it's a complaint follow-up. Every time a detective speaks to someone, they have to type a complaint follow-up. It's called a DD5. And they were carbon pe- copy. Yeah, and they had carbons. The NYPD was still using typewriters. Yeah. In, up to like, what, 2002, three or something like that. Yep. And then they finally went, and we couldn't believe it. And they said, everyone's going to get a computer station. Everyone was like, what? Yeah, yeah. No yeah. one could believe it because we'd been bullshitted for so many years. Like, half the time we didn't even have cars, right? I remember, I remember stealing type, uh, typewriter ribbon. Do, <laughs> do I remember, remember taking mine out and locking it up to, and my whiteout, too. <laughs> people used to take the ball out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, you remember, do you remember the that? That first electronic typewriter that came out, the yeah. first one, I learned how to use that. Those were good. I learned how to use that. And the every, word processing? Yeah. yeah, yeah I learned how to good. use that, yeah. and I, I was the only one in my office who knew how to use it. And then Sandy Vasquez started learning how to use it. And I remember taking her shit and throwing it off my desk. Get the fuck <laughs> off my desk. <laughs> you know? But, um, yeah, that was the, the greatest tool once that came out. Yes. It was made it so much easier. Everybody knows I, I hate paperwork. After, after NSU, what precinct did you wind up going to? 
I went to the two three. Okay, so you're in the two three now. Now the two three was a great precinct for me. What they were you doing when you right got away? there? They accepted you right away. Um, oh wait, how many female cops were in the academy when you graduated? I don't really know. It was a lot. It was my class was the big class. It was like thirty two hundred or twenty seven hundred. Yeah, I, yeah I came out of three thousand cops. Okay, it was a lot. There was a lot, but well, it, your class was eighty two. Nineteen eighty two, January wow. of eighty two, yeah. and I came on January twenty fifth. Um, so there were a few, a lot of, quite a few female Ex- cops. Right, except when, the, when I went to my precinct, there was really two female cops that I remember, and I was the only Hispanic female cop in my precinct when I got mm-hmm. there, which was to my advantage. You know, it really was, because um, people on the street were like, hey, Rivera, Rivera. Yeah. So Speaking Spanish, then give spoke Spanish. Yeah. Oh, my God, I got information on homicide, on a foot post from a homeless guy, and he actually did see it. I um, read in your interview... Um, for that Discovery Channel, the Miss Homicide interview, that um, <laughs> you liked working in the two three because you felt like you could uh, look out for your people. I, that that's true. I I did. You know why? Sometimes people are not familiar with the police. They just think that we're their enemies. Working there was really helpful, especially with the Mexican community in the two three. Um, like they were getting robbed left and right, and they were afraid of making reports. This is like you know. So what I did, I had a meeting with them. I set up a meeting. This is before even CPR or any of that stuff. CPOP. CPOP, whatever. It wasn't even that wasn't even community existence. policing. Right, but even before that, um, and I had a meeting with them, and we explained that they can report cases because they were afraid of reporting things because they were illegal. So, you know, so it worked out. It was pretty good. I mean, I enjoyed working there and people, I got so much information, you know, I made friends. So how you, how long were you on patrol in the two, three before they scooped you up for the RIP unit? Maybe, maybe about two and a half years, three years. I, I didn't go to RIP first. I went to SNU. Okay. First, and Snoo was the best. I had so much fun doing Snoo. Only problem was that a lot of the drug dealers that were up there were from my neighborhood downtown. Wow. You know, so. Snoo also for our listeners is a street narcotics enforcement unit, and it's a uniform unit that they make street level drug arrests out on the street. They're not allowed to go inside. Observation sales, right? right. Observation. Hand to hand. Yeah. Right. And but what happened one night? I remember buying drugs from somebody. Um, this is when I was on the cover. I was on the cover also for a little while before I went to when I was in Snoo. When I was in the two three precinct on patrol they picked me up to become an undercover how long were you just basically doing patrol in the two three before you got picked up as an undercover oh i was there maybe a few months and they picked me up for an undercover just for a 30-day program okay so i only went in like for 30 days you know to do buying bus with occb i didn't like it at all why everybody remembered me everywhere i went 50 yeah, yeah, 5-0, 5-0 they knew who i was you know so it was kind of a little bit scary was that because you weren't putting on a costume or what was the reason for that i think because i was you know they just i mean i was first of all i was so dumb i mean i was so naive i really was <laughs> they told me to go buy cocaine and the guy goes oh i don't have cocaine here something else. I think it was heroin. I go, I'll take that, you know. So, so you know, I didn't know how to buy drugs, I'm being honest. You they know. should have a, a class to teach you. They didn't, they didn't teach me. That's and, funny. That's and, such a funny story. And it was I'll a, take that. And it was a two, and it was black tape, I remember now. it was, And I remember it was, it was called black tape. And I was in the two-weight precinct buying buying drugs then they also sent me to a social club one time by myself i was so freaking scared so you were when you were buying the drugs you were by yourself you had a team behind you but yeah but i was brand i was spanking you you on the street strapped when you went no buy drugs you had no gun on. and i was spanking you i was a rookie cop i I came from a sheltered life you know living in my parents you know really sheltered um so now i'm on the street buying drugs not knowing what the hell I'm doing. They should have gave you another girl. They didn't. They, they, when people do drugs, they usually, especially young kids, they do it together. There's like be two girls, maybe a dude hanging out. They did that they eventually. Cop together. Eventually, they got me with a guy, Angel. That's um, pretty dangerous what they did. They, to they you. didn't even have a ghost follow you. 
after Angel did follow me. Yeah, so yeah he did. Got, yeah, but um, narcotics it, has their own language. Uh, the undercover is known as the uncle, and then the ghost is the person that follows the undercover in case the undercover winds up getting ripped or getting the shit beat out of them. The ghost is supposed to jump in and help. Right, but it was, but it was nerve wracking. It really was. And one night, I, I remember buying um, LSD stamps from a guy on 115th Street around Lexington Avenue. Oh, those are good. <laughs> you don't have those anymore, do you? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and, and I remember really, dri- you don't have them? no. And, and I drove home. I drove home that day. And when I drove home, and I could swear my children, I swear my mother who died March 14th, the guy that I bought her LSD stamps from pulls up right next to oh, me. Oh my God! On 18th Street and Avenue C, by. And he looks at me, I look at him, and he got jump on the highway. I don't know if he knew that was me, but I knew that was him. Right, right. You know? And from and then that day, from there on, you I started... You were off duty at that point in your personal car? Yes. Yeah. And, and then also, a couple of times, there were threats, you know, when I was doing snoo for me and my partner, Ruben, because we came from the Low East Side also, um, that they were going to kill us, and, and they're going to get and then, us. And then the police department throws you a radio. That's the one that gives us a radio, right? That's your defense against right. violence. Here, here, take this radio with yeah. you. You can so scream it was, into it. It was nerve-wracking. Then I was like one of the only Hispanic female in my precinct, so everybody knew who I was, right. you know? So I mean, it that's tough. it's really, um, I mean, at that point, when you came on, 82, I mean... They should have known better to just put you by yourself, especially somebody who doesn't know the difference between drugs. Like that, to me, that's the funniest story ever. Mm-hmm. If, yeah. if I go to buy cocaine and some guy's like, uh, well, I don't have coke, but you want heroin. I'm going to be like, no, I don't do heroin. I do cocaine. <laughs> I said, I'll do I look like a fucking junkie to you? <laughs> but then I think they knew. Then one other day I'm in Harlem and, and I'm buying some drugs off some guy and he's, and he's about to sell me and somebody runs by him and they goes, five oh, and he looks at me, he goes, you're the police? And I go, I'm not no freaking cop. And I just walked away and I, I just couldn't you said that's cover. enough. Yeah, that's enough. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't yeah. for me. I mean, people just. I, mean, I don't me. know what, how how much of a training program do you actually go through to be back able then? to do something. Nineteen eighty two, nothing really. It was different back then. But you, you know? still believe me. Like we talked to Bel Castro, he got creative. He used to dress up like a, a crazy homeless person. Then it was yeah. a UPS guy. Then right. it was a pizza guy. But you know, as an undercover, and I knew a lot of undercovers. Um, you know, they'd carry a beer can around. They and and they. Uh, it'd be beer inside because they had a smell like it. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They, I didn't they know were about dirty. Them. But you know, somebody should have told you that you got to come up with a, a thing. But then yeah. I work. I worked with Angel a couple of times. He was really good. I would walk around holding his hand. Yeah. And it would, See, he that's was, he, what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, he was good. And he they, was, they don't tell you what to do when someone sticks a gun against your head and says, "Come on inside <laughs> this apartment." They don't oh, tell thinking, you what to do. If you were working with yeah. me, I'd be like, "Listen, in order for us to get drugs in front of these people, we got to make out. We got to put on a really <laughs> okay. good show here. So if I that's okay with me. If I get a little physical, touchy feely, just so you know." It's not EEO. It's, it's all for the job. It's all for the good of the service. We're going to get a lot of drugs. You know, it's funny that you say that. You know, I, I, when I went for my old CCB interview, you know what they actually asked me? What? They said, would you take a clothes off for the job? I'm not sure if they were fucking with me. I yeah. think they were. Yeah. And I said, no, I wouldn't do that. You know, I don't, I think they would, back in 1980s was such a complete different you world. You should have said, sure, papi, what, what, what do you want me to do? <laughs> no, and back then, 1982 was completely different. It was yeah. very chauvinistic, you know, and it never really bothered me because I grew up a boy, so yeah. I, it, I really didn't really bother me much. You know, in fairness, maybe they had like a case that they needed somebody to... Public morals. Oh, yeah, public knows? morals does all that. Yeah. Guys got to go in and get naked with the... Uh, Sometimes they went a little too far. Too, right? I remember that. <laughs> so many things have happened You're on this show. You're not supposed to get the blowjob. You're supposed to stop just <laughs> short of that. I couldn't so, uh, stop. 
So, so mm-hmm. they put you back after that 30 day stint? I went back, yes. And then what? Then I was, I stayed on patrol. I did snoo. What'd you do? Midnights? No, I did nine squat chart. I love the nine oh. squat chart. It was the best. You liked it? Yeah, I wow, did. How could you? It's I liked messed it. up your sleep. That was I didn't the care. best for camaraderie. I, it was the best. And I, I, I love working. I like working at night. I like the nighttime. I like driving around. Like I like the four to twelves. So when you got to the day tours, you hated it, right? I hate day tours. Even to this day. Ugh, nine to five. I hate day tours. And too. also, I, I didn't like. It's a different I, world. One thing I didn't like about the midnight, I didn't like when the sun came up. I like when it was dark out, when there's people on the street. Mm-hmm. And when people started waking up, it was like, ugh, the day Every shift coming. is so different. The yeah. morning guys with the coffee and the breakfast sandwich and, and starting off real slow, then driving through that neighborhood. It's nine o'clock in the morning. There's nobody out. All the out. precinct business that's going on during yeah, the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to deal the with summons the guy. Yeah. yeah, the summons guy. I, I remember the two, three, though, when you worked at midnight, there was one guy, I won't mention any names. He was so, unf- like, there was so much unfair stuff that you would see sometimes. Like, and, and I call him out on it years later. It, like, it, we used to give summonses on the midnight tours. He used to come in the morning, take those summons out, and put new ones in. That wow, is so that fucked is up. Bad. That is Especially, bad. and that's so, and that's I never like, of that. and that was in my community. Like, that, yeah. those were Hispanic people you're doing that yeah. too. I, I didn't he's like just that. just trying to get his numbers. It right? made me so yeah. angry with yeah. him. Yeah, he was a big, fat, lazy, lazy guy. Yeah, he was well, a lazy guy. Most summons guys aren't self starters. That's why they're summons guys. You know what I like, though? I like I'm pretty a, sure Karma got him, though. Everybody who, I'm telling you, everybody who does it bad, it always comes back and bites you in the ass at some point in your life. If you just think about the, the person that does that, like, you know, for a, week, a piece of the weekend or the weekend off, writing, uh, what do they have to write, 50 a day or some shit? Yeah, something ridiculous. It was insane. But yeah. to be so evil, to do that to these poor people who are That's poor right. to begin yeah. with, and they're living in the projects, all right, they have a car, but, you know, come on. Well, yeah, you, you fucking, them. fucking you them, them all day. Yeah. Like, 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 imagine if somebody did that to you, took out 115 well, now it's $115. That's a lot but, of money. You get, yo, two, guy, you get two summonses. That's I was taking fair. a nap in my car. I just came from a gig. I was going to another one. I wanted to take a nap. Some guy wrote me a summons while I was still sleeping. <laughs> and I had um, a PBA card in the dashboard. Maybe and I was, saw, I was out of set at the club. <laughs> like no, no, I was I, I was out of the way too. I had pulled over. It just was a no stand, but no cars were driving right, down. Right. And I said, "You must, I, I could have killed this guy." But my point was, why don't you just tap on the window and go, "Dude, you can't be here. Move." Yeah. I'll, t- do I'll top that for you. In the two four precinct, I won't mention who the, the cop's name either. I pulled over like eighty fourth Street and. Riverside Drive into a bus stop to do something with my phone. I see a police officer, a police car across the street from me. He's facing south. I'm facing north. And I see him. I don't think nothing about it. I know I'm in the bus stop. He never told me to move. I leave. About a, a week or two weeks later, I get a summons in the mail. Wow. He wrote me a summons. Never came out of his car. He can't do that, though. He did. I called the 2-4. They told me he does that to everybody. But you can't do that. Uh, but how does he do it? You have to serve it he didn't serve personally. It. He just wrote it and wrote yeah, it. Yeah, there's no way you can do that. Yeah, he wrote that. Well, that's against the law. He's, a, he, yeah. He's another one that has But karma. how do you do that? You put it in the mail for them? Or no, you, you don't even send it to them? No, you just put it in the box and then you wind up so getting in the mail. So he saw you play from across the street, ran into he the sat, computer. He sat, he sat across the street from me. No, he just, he just wrote a, a summons. He just wrote a summons based on the fact that I was pl- sitting in the bus stop. Uh-huh. But he never served me the summons. He's a coward, as far as yeah, I'm that concerned. Yeah, a coward. Yeah, that's not that good. I never, you shouldn't do that. And, and and there's very, very, very few cops like that. You yeah. know, we know that. I mean, right, the majority right. of the police department, they're legit. You always have that one, you might have that one asshole sometimes. Sure. Yeah, there's always one. Right. Yeah. At least in, in one. In any profession. Every, well, every, any profession. <laughs> yeah, but every command that you go to, and this, you know, you'll talk to another cop or so a civilian, say, and you look at it, you're like, I know who wrote this. Right. They, and they you look know. at it, and sure, 
enough because it's usually they're writing in some cop's family. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's what pisses people off. And they knew they knew who he was the minute I called the two four. They always know. Yeah, they knew who he was. So uh, back to business here. So you're in the you, you come back. You're doing your uh, the the nine squad charge. Uh, are you making what kind of collars are you making here? I, I made pretty good collars. I was lucky. You know, I'm. It's and it's not just me. It's I always consider it part of a team. You know, yeah, as, as cops. You know, and stuff. That's one thing that all great cops have. To, they always they give it up for their, their partners. Teammates, absolutely. Yeah. My, no, my partners are. Uh, they're like part. Of, my partners have always been like part of my family. You know. But um, my first night on patrol in the two three was the best. I was in the two three precinct. It was my first night on patrol. It was a midnight tour. I was working with um, Terry Whalen. May he rest in peace because he passed away. Um, and Terry was. Um, so I'm driving around with Terry and. Um, there was a robbery in the 19th precinct, like maybe an hour before, an hour and a half earlier. And um, we're driving, and I tell Terry, I go, some ki- I see some kids coming out of the train station on 103rd and Lex. And I go, Terry, don't those guys match the script from the robbery in the 19th? And he puts it over the radio, and all the cars come flying. And sure enough, it's the perps. You know, they, we get them. They bring them into the precinct. You know, it's definitely the perps. They rob some girl in... Um, in the train station, I believe on 86th Street, they stole her ring. Um, so we, they get them, and they um, everybody's around the precinct. All these back then, the cops were really tall, as tall as you. They were like all oh, like three of these big tall guys. And um, and here comes Emma Rivera. And I'm standing there like this little 20 year old, and everybody, and Terry's saying, "All right, okay, who's going to take the collar?" And, and um, Ray Rodriguez, I believe his name, who's taking the collar? A Duke, who's taking the collar? And Terry goes, "Wait a minute, let me ask my partner." Irma, do you want the collar? I go, if it's okay with everybody. Because <laughs> I thought it was, it was my collar yeah, anyway, right? No, it was your collar, but right. just the fact that that was endearing. Yeah. Right, so it's like, if it's okay with everybody. by these six foot six inch yeah, guys. Yeah, and right? not only that, because it's, you didn't want to come in acting like you, you know, you, you know it all. Uh, see, I was, I was very aggressive with that shit. Yeah, see, I wasn't. Like, That's I, my fucking collar. Yeah, I was like that. That became a trademark for you, because right there, everybody knew. That's endearing. That's sweet. And I got cop of the month for that. It was Whoa. great. I got a cop of the month. Did you get to park in the two Yeah, but the funny month? part about that was I didn't have a car, then I had a bicycle. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, wanted to, I wanted to put my bicycle there. They didn't allow me, you know. <laughs> but I used to ride a bike to work every day. Wow. That's when Flashdance came out. Everybody used to call me Flashdance. Did you have the le- leg warmers on? No, I didn't wear them. No. <laughs> no. She's a maniac, maniac. <laughs> I, got, I, I actually got a civilian complaint saying... Um, Flashdance. I got a civilian complaint that Flashdance. Flash yeah, they used to call me Flashdance. Wow. Wait a minute. Who used to call you that? The cops on the, the people on the street. Oh, the people. Oh, because oh, that's look why like her. You know, Charlie Freitag is Blondie forever. Yeah. He loves that too. People uh-huh. on East Holmes. I mean, that's Blondie. I remember when he like, first came oh. to the precinct. He was so cute. Charlie yeah. Freitag. All the yeah. girls loved him. Blondie. Yeah. Even the the, the people in the project loved Blondie. Yeah. That's Blondie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was always a really respectful guy. That's yeah. main reason why a lot of people liked him also. Yeah. He was always, he's never changed. He's always been the same right. kind of great guy. Oh, he's in North Homicide now. He refuses to retire. He's still there. He's, he's a good guy. He's still at least 63. And his, bro- and his brother. I love the people that stay 63 and out. They just yeah. can't leave, you know. Yeah. They can't well, if you're happy leave. doing what you're doing, what's well, the point? Not, they really? don't realize, though, they're going to make three times as much money. It's retire. not about the money. Yeah, but you know what it is? It's part also of a family. When I retired, I remember how I felt, man. I cried for like two weeks. Yeah. I really do when I retired. I didn't cry, but I, I had a hard I went down to the pension section, and I remember Donna Torres and Jerry Dem- Miro dropped me off and then I had no gun and, and no shield and I, I walked back mm-hmm. through like the village and I came up on Bleecker Street and I just I was in, I was shocked I was shell shocked yeah. I was like of course I'm not were. a cop anymore 27 yeah. years you know? ago yeah and, and then I I was like 
I got to call for a ride now. <laughs> I don't even know how to take the subway without my shield, you know? Yeah, for me, I feel like I grew up on the yeah. job. I actually really yeah. grew up there. You know, I did. And they, they came back and picked me up, but I really felt shell-shocked. I really did. I remember, like... Um, one thing, like on patrol um, with Terry, Sergeant Tenaglia, Richie Bauman, the, I, one thing I hate, I hate mucus. <laughs> mucus was like my weakness. <laughs> like like um, Superman. Like, yeah, um, yeah. Kryptonite. Um, kryptonite. Mucus was your kryptonite. Uh, so they would call me on the scene on purpose of anybody who had snots hanging oh, out their noses uh, to do a to do uh, a card. And I'm like, Ugh, you know. <laughs> Even to this day, if I think about it too much, I, I want to throw up. <laughs> but it's funny, like other stuff didn't bother me, like guts. You know, yeah. I, I wanted to watch all the autopsies. Oh my God, my first DOA, my first DOA. First of all, they were calling me asking to speak to the guy, and I didn't know about making the notification, so I was afraid of saying who I was. <laughs> you know, they were playing tr- tricks on me, yeah. um, pranks on me. Um, who was that? The, the guys you worked with? Yeah, Terry and. Um, what were they saying? They were going. Could, could I speak to whatever the person's name was? Uh, who are you? Oh, what are you guy, doing the in the house? Who's there? To speak to him. That's a great cop. <laughs> And you know, you, and, and then when you, you're Sorry, a rookie, he's dead. right? And, you, and when you're a rookie cop, they tell you you can't make a notification over the phone. You got to do right, it in, right, person, in person. So you yeah. didn't want to say yeah. the guy's dead, you know. Yeah. So um, I go into the room and the guy's dead, just to check up on, not to check up on him. I guess I was checking up on him. I watch a spider crawl out of his nose. Oh, it was so disgusting, you know. But and then there you go again with mucus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so. It's amazing what happens to the body, the way the gas, the gas that develops and the bloating, you know, how, especially when you have to take pictures, you know, I went into a guy, uh, DOA in the apartment there and his, he was naked. And his freaking balls swelled up. They were like beach <laughs> oh, balls. Purple. Oh, they're purple. Yeah, I see them in the morgue like and that. I was like, wow, man. Look at the, it's, it's just the pictures, those pictures, man. Every, you know, because everybody has the, the pictures on their desk. Yeah, you know sure. what I'm saying? You just come back. You, it's the most gory as shit. You just throw the Polaroids on your desk. Some people have a, um, a board where they, you know, stick them on. And on my board, it would just be those two big balls. You ever see a guy ball. hang himself? They hang themselves. The same thing happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Seen lots of that. I remember as as a sergeant, sometimes you would punish people to by sending them to DOAs, you know. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you wouldn't even punish them; it was just their turn, you know. And they would look at you like, "What are you gonna do? It's the The, job." One of the other most disgusting things that happened to me on patrol was we were on One Tenth Street and Lexington Avenue, and that was a big junkie territory back then. And it was the biggest heroin spot in the world. One Tenth off of Lexington on the north side of the street. My first gun collar. That's what we did on on the north side of the street. There, it was really bad. And going into an apartment, it was pitch black. I remember we were looking for a gun in an in a, an apartment and I open this drawer and I see something black and I stick my hand in I put the flashlight it was all roaches like oh, oh there was so many roaches uh-huh. you know I hate roaches I mean I hate, I'm Puerto Rican I fucking hate roaches <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember roaches falling off um, ceilings yeah, yeah. on my head my partner off the wall so I know the walls yeah. you know when you go in an apartment and oh. you have to pull your partner off the wall like oh, no no God, don't lean on it I remember watching a, a Wonder Bread go across like move across the fridge there was a, a rat in there Oh, or a mouse. And, you know, just, we're, we're talking to the guy, all right, buddy, get dressed. And you're watching this this bag of Wonder Bread just go across <laughs> the refrigerator. I'm like nudging my partner. I'm like, look, look, look. Here look. you go from a piss-smelling elevator to a roach-infested apartment. 
Yeah, and not all apartments like that. No, yeah, no, you know, of course, there's yeah, a lot yeah. of real good, clean people with, who live there. Moving low for Wonder Bread. <laughs> oh, how about one time I went on it? It was uh, around Thanksgiving. Oh my God, the turkey was on the counter, and there was roaches oh, all around the turkey. Man, that's a special way to make it, right? But, there. but I, that's also sad. That goes right in the gravy. Those roaches. <laughs> <laughs> What's so crunchy? What's in this? <laughs> this is really excellent gravy. What, what makes your stuffing so crunchy? <laughs> <laughs> a cucaracha, a cucaracha. <laughs> I remember my grandmother's apartment in Washington Heights, and uh, you know it was a game. You'd, you'd get up, you put your shoes on, and my uncle had these. Uh, he was working downtown, so he had uh, what do they call those with the little design on the front with the pointy shoes, the business suits. Um, Wingtips. Wingtips. Yeah, and we go in the corner there, and he would just turn on the light, and he could you just start dancing right there, <laughs> and you could kill three, four hundred of them right there, oh, man. just dancing right there. It's first of all, and first, another thing about roaches—they have a distinctive smell. You can tell which apartment when you walk into has a lot of roaches. Yeah, yeah. It's the heat. It's like I don't know what happens to, and it's the clothing that comes out of there. Maybe it's because of the steam heat that they get in the apartments, and they're not opening up the windows, or maybe they're not drying their clothes after those, they wash those them. Radiators. They, but they all get those, that same yeah. smell in their clothes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, oh, it's horrible, man. And then, and then years later was the uh, the pit bulls. You'd, you'd knock on the door and they, you'd say, put your dog in the bathroom. Oh, no, he doesn't bite. <laughs> okay. He only likes the way cops taste. <laughs> yeah, cop, cops are delicious. Cops taste delicious for cop, my dog. Cops like donuts. Yells above and, you know, like. Uh, yeah, my cop li- cops like donuts and my dog likes cops. That's right. <laughs> donuts. about donuts? I remember when I first was on patrol eating so many donuts and gaining weight. I remember coming out of my police car one day, one summer, and um, in the 2-3, and somebody goes, Man, Rivera, you got so fucking fat. Because <laughs> people on the street were so mean. And I said, oh, my God, did I get so fat? And then I, of course, proceeded to get my weight down. But people on the street were a little bit mean. They were like, you got so fat, Rivera. Here's this girl. Like, she grew up on the Lower East Side. She becomes a cop, a great detective, and she's so sensitive. Yeah, but it's I'm great, not sensitive. Though, you no, but no. it's great because only, uh, you know, the community can only, uh, you know, talk to you like that if if they'd like you. That's true. Oh, see, but Back then, I was sensitive. I'm not sensitive now. I mean, when I was younger, of course, I was sensitive. The job changes you. It really doesn't. I mean, it didn't change me to make me like a hard ass or try to be like, you know, a Buffy or, you know, trying to, you know... Yeah, you know. Someone you're not. You're still. Yeah, I'm still. I'm still myself, you know. But um, I'm just a little bit stronger now, you know. Yeah, you didn't go like uh, feminine. Yeah, a little bit of pain hurt me. You know, hurt makes you strong. Yeah, like people always ask, "Hey, man, did you ever date a cop?" And I'm like, "Listen, there can only be one person that says I got to hit the head in a relationship." (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) your girlfriend can't be getting up. It's like, where you going? I got to hit the head. (laughs) (laughs) A girl says that. No. Well, female cop does. No. Some of them. You know, sometimes some. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't change to become like a guy. Yeah, know? I know, but no, some no, do. But sometimes some female cops overcompensate. Yeah, and try to be over, overly aggressive. But even guys you know? do that too. Yeah, sure. That's like true. for example, that's when when it came to the collar, giving up the collar, and you said it like, and it, it was endearing. Some girls would have been like, "Nah, it's mine." Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I was a rookie. Yeah, yeah. You know? but you were smart. Guys, it worked in your I, favor. Can I have this collar? It's okay with everybody. It's okay with everybody. I'm sure everybody liked you because of that. But I tell you, there was like really good cops I mean, but I was also naive I remember like working one day with Eddie Vasquez he was a really really uh, the, one of the best detectives that I ever met I learned a lot from him he was, he in, was in the 2-3 squad in the 2-3 rip yeah he was uh, Eddie oh, Vasquez right and I remember um, 
I feel like an idiot. Like he, we're driving, all of a sudden he just jumps out of the car, and I'm sitting there going, "What the hell's going on?" He goes across a, a abandoned lot on 100 and f- between 100 and 100 and First Street and First Avenue, except first to second. He runs across a lot. Some guy just did something, and he saw him, but I didn't know what the hell was going on. I was like a freaking idiot sitting mm-hmm. there going like, "What the hell's going on?" So it took me a while to get used to it. Then yeah, after a while, sure. you know, I got I got. Yeah, but you know something, the street. Teaches you stuff to learn. Being there used to be a club the over there. It yeah. was called Ones, hundred and first, hundred and first Street and First Avenue. There was a nightclub there called Ones. Oh really? I used to go there. Oh really? Yeah. You know, it's funny though when when you do later on in your career when you pretty much seen no one's seen everything, but you're seeing a, a lot. lot of it, and you just. You just know what it is before without having, you know, just by your eyes. That, I just saw a guy rip a guy yeah. off or, you know, this guy just... You become really sharp. Yeah, and you know things that, which is, I, I always tell the story, My a month before I retired, I went out with Porteous and mm-hmm. Freitag mm-hmm. and we're driving around the two, three, just for all time's sake, you know, because I knew I was retiring and we hear this Mexican woman screaming and we see... This guy's beating the shit out of her husband. He's robbing wow. him, you know? Oh. So we dropped Charlie, Blondie. We <laughs> dropped Blondie off, right? And the perp runs into a side street. And Porteous and I know, never leave the car. Right. Race. We race ahead of him. Uh-huh. And then we get out of the car, you know, just our ties. <laughs> and he runs right to us. <laughs> and he's all exhausted and more fresh as a that's daisy. Funny. Yeah, yeah that's it's great. great. That, that'd be a but great that's, scene. You don't have movie. to teach anyone that. Right, he right. knew how to do that because we all, both worked anti-crime. So we you know that's right, how right. you do that. Right. You don't get out and run I'm 55 years old <laughs> yeah. I'm not chasing this 20 right. year old you know right <laughs> how long did you do patrol before uh, you became a detective or well, you went into the I went, investigative I, I, path I went to the investigative path as a white shield I got I got picked I, I went for a 30 day program into um, the RIP unit how Sergeant, many years Sergeant John Morris uh, maybe four maybe four years five I think um, RIP was a relatively new program back right. then right because I was in SNU explain, also explain, we'll explain what RIP the is the robbery identification program right, but what it was was precincts to qualify to get a RIP your precinct had to get over 100 robberies a month it was month. a lot in the two three. Had, that, yes but not every precinct got one you had to have over 100 no precinct that the whole city gets 100 robberies a month now. Wow. But back then, yeah. so many of them did. Yeah, it was a great program. So my sergeant, Sergeant Morris, um, there was a there was a guy in the precinct, Raymond Mercado. He was wanted for um, commercial robberies. And the whole precinct was looking for him. We had a picture of him. So everybody was looking for him. So me and my partner, Ronnie Alvarez, um, happened to pick up his brother. And we put him in the backseat of our car. And we're talking to him. So I asked, I forgot his brother's name. I said, how many brothers do you have? And he goes through the list. And what are the names? And he, he comes to Raymond. And I go, oh, Raymond, where does he live? He goes, he lives on the Grand Concourse. And I go, oh, I live on the Grand Concourse. Whereabouts does he live? But I was lying to him. Mm-hmm. He goes, he lives on somewhere like 160-something, 175th or whatever he told me, like a 10-block radius. Mm-hmm. So me and Ronnie had that information. So I went to my sergeant, John Morris. May he rest in peace. He was the best sergeant. He's the one who, because of him, is why I t- took the career path that I took. And I actually sent him a letter and thanked him. And I spoke to him before he died and thanked him for you know, what he did for my career. So, um, so I tell the sergeant, Sarge, come on, let me and Ronnie, let's just let, give us some overtime, just two hours to see if we can find this guy. He goes, all right, you guys go. So I call Manhattan Robbery Squad. I gave them 10 blocks up. I, gave, I lied to them. I didn't Good give them the you, right information. They, they, they would have in a hit it right. So I told <laughs> wow, them. I told that's pretty brilliant. Yeah, so I told them, like, I told them, we got some information. The guys on the Grand Concourse from 170-something to 180-something. We bullshit. I bullshit. Mm, yeah. I was smart enough back then. I was getting smart now. You and, had and, that and the rip, side. Uh, and the rip, <laughs> now I started getting used to, like, the guy, you know, I 
I started yeah. getting, was more used to, you know, being a cop then. So um, me and Ronnie went to that area, and sure enough, here I see Raymond McCardle coming off the corner. And I say, there he goes. So I get out the, Ron, I get out the car. I start walking. Ronnie stays in the car, and he drives up. And I approach Raymond McCardle with my gun in my hand, and I see from the corner of my eye, I see a cop running towards me. He thought it was a family dispute. He thought I was his girlfriend. Oh, shit. So, and, I, and, I, and the cop's going, put, put it down. I'm, going, I'm, on, I'm on the job. I'm on the job. And I have my shield sticking out. And then Ronnie comes. And then we cuff, you know, Raymond Mikado. We get him. Me and Ronnie are jumping in the street, slapping each other five because we're so happy. <laughs> How many robberies did he do? So many commercial robberies. He did so many. Did you keep the collar in Manhattan I, robbery? I, I, kept, it I kept it, but I kept it. The two, three ones, they probably they enhanced it. I used to hate when they, they would do this. You'd have a good pattern in the two three and they'd have a similar robbery not the same in another precinct and they would add that to the pattern because that meant they took the pattern mm -hmm. because once it crossed precinct boundaries they got it so it you know pattern, once it crossed yeah. 20 25 robberies someone's gonna nail this guy and they get every single arrest no they, they I, I, I kept like i kept the collar but be honest with you i was so exhausted from like working so many hours i was like a space cadet that day i yeah. remember like being, being extremely tired and one thing that i learned as a detective as the years went on you don't drink coffee when you work a lot, a lot of hours. I stopped drinking coffee because when you drink coffee, it just makes you more it makes more you hyper. Wired. Yeah, yeah. You just get wired. So I stopped drinking coffee. Yeah, yeah. You know, you learn a lot of stuff from mistakes that you made throughout. You ever, you ever go home after working for like 34, 35 hours and you can't sleep because yeah, you're, you're too like tired? Yeah. You're too tired. You can hear that noise in your head. Like you, you close your eyes sleep. and then it's like, yeah. like you just, you're so exhausted. Right, you can't sleep. Yeah. I don't know what you're that's a, called. It's the that, adrenaline or something. I think That's it is. keeping you up. I think it is. You're, you're past the point of... It takes about an hour or two of just lying there before you can fall asleep. <sighs> into a deep sleep. Yeah. So you went upstairs to the rip right. after and then, four and then, years? And then I stayed here yeah, about four years. I didn't do that much time on patrol. You know? And back then in the 80s, I mean, I was, there was, it was perfect for me when I came on. You know? Um, they so you were females. investigating robberies, basically. I went to, the, and then I stayed in the RIP unit. I stayed there, and then from there, um, how many people were on that team? I don't remember. There was like maybe five to each team. You oh, know? there used to be twelve detectives in RIP because I I had the two three RIP. Was it twelve? Yes, yeah, I don't remember. They, there was twelve detectives. Yeah, but that, you came on way after me. I was right, there. I, I was I, there like eighty seven. Right, I had the two three RIP in nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, I was eighty. I was yeah, eighty seven. Yeah. I was ten so, years. So yeah, when older. they first started, it, maybe they get. But 10. I, re I remember all the robberies. I mean, we even had Hasidic Jews getting who, who were who were buying copying drugs in the two three. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was shocked. I, yeah. I was surprised that you know. I mean, I was a bit naive about people like you know about what was going on in, in the real world you know and taxi robberies were out of control back oh my then, god right? yeah there was so many yeah those are sids get around man they're in strip clubs buying <laughs> drugs they do man yeah <laughs> i was shocked yeah. i was shocked when i first when I, we had the first one that he gave them such a chase I i'm was talking like, about you know black uh strip clubs yeah you know oh, yeah. like in the in brooklyn yeah, yeah. they'd be sitting in the back I'm like, oh, oh shit. I'm, fuck I'm doing telling here? the Grim Rebbe you're here. How did you hear about this? <laughs> 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 so, this is when you do a four to four. Get out of here, pal. You're scaring me. Uh, so, you were in the RIP. How long did you stay in RIP before? Um, I was in RIP, um, I don't know, maybe. Four. I forgot how many years. I don't remember how many years I was in RIP. I can't remember. But I remember. Um, the, did you like investigating robberies? Yeah, I did. I actually enjoyed it. I did it. Except, except that, I mean. Th 
that's that's also another time when people try to take advantage also you know like sure. some people would take the known perp 60 ones I you know how I was and I would get the ones that had a lot of work to do but right. I learned a lot from or having the, the ones queue. yeah but I learned a lot like I, I learned I mean I had a really a few really good cases you know that I did pretty well on you know and 2-3 was a great robbery precinct too excellent and also there was a detective Mercurio who used to work in um, senior citizens robbery unit he was really good too like you Billy know Mercurio yeah he I, worked in the 2-0 later on I think he might have, yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah, I know he helped me with my, one of my cases. In he looked a, in like John Gotti, right? Yeah, he, he, wrote, he wrote a nice letter for me yeah, on, yeah. on a case that I yeah, had. He was a nice guy. Yeah. There were, there he, were, he had a perpetual tan, no matter what season it was, he had yeah. a tan, right? There, there, was a, there was a pattern robber, and he was a male black who spoke Spanish, and, I, and later on, um, we had a perp in the cell, and I noticed that he was black, and he was speaking Spanish, so I called him up, and sure enough, he was the perp on, that they were looking for, wow. so I got a nice letter in my folder for that, you know, it's just, just cool. I learned how to just be a little bit, Fucking you know, awesome, man. Yeah, just noticing things, you know. Nobody like, gave you nothing, because, yeah. you know, you figure, okay, it's a female uh, cop, Latina, not that many of them, probably speak Spanish. She's attractive, we'll hook her up, you know, as you go along. <laughs> no. But you did nah, the work. Did no, yeah, you did the work, Did man. you make the run in the academy? What's the, oh, of course. <laughs> I'm just breaking your chops. I do you do. You earned that shit, man. <laughs> I mean, These people are dropping out of the run now and then suing the department oh, saying please. it's a boys club. The, the whole know? world, the whole, the world is becoming a weak place. Oh, yes. I mean, yeah. all these kids, I mean, my woman? kids are not like that. She's my 37 years old. She said she made it for like six months in the academy and they fought because she claimed she had shin splints. And she now did. She came. Her problem was that she came in with that broken leg already, and she didn't document it. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So when she started doing the run, she started getting these shin splints, and that's why they let her go because it was a pre a pre existing condition. Yeah. yeah. First of all, first she's of all, she's saying something else. First of all, the police department. I really think that they should get rid of the college because just because somebody has college doesn't make, time, doesn't make doesn't make them that. great cops. Doesn't it make does. them. You're there's right. so many You're good right. guys out here who cannot afford to go to college or not. Not good students, you know. Like I don't think I was the best student. I hate read. I mean, I'd rather you teach me how to do something than me have to read about it, you know. And I, I, there's a lot of great guys out here that would make great cops. And well, this I whole college thing, they just take this as a job. They take it. They take it as a job. They don't take it because they want the passion to become cops. Yes. I have a feeling they do that is to kill a couple more years before you can get on the job. You know what I'm saying? And if you're going to do that, then why not just make the age 25 or 22 or 23? I think 20 is, 21 is not a bad age. I don't think well, it is. If you're I talking about the age, young, 20 is young. Well, yeah. if you're talking about the age where you can screw up, like in your, your real personality will shine eventually. You give them two or three years on, on themselves as being an adult. And if they haven't gotten college for a felony by then, then they probably might be a good person. But that's I'm serious. A, but that's another thing, too. Even as, as cops, like, you know, me being a cop, there was sometimes you have that young kid who's like 16 years old. Old, you don't want to get that kid a record. You well, don't want to lock that that's kid why up. I'm happy, but they got rid of the marijuana shit because there's a lot of kids that got caught for marijuana right, right. stupid shit, and now they're scared. They don't really know that it could be expunged, that it could be getting rid, um, taken care of. You might have to get a lawyer, whatever it is. But uh, they they would never even consider going into the military now or any decent job. Oh no, man, I got a record. You got a record? What do you mean you got a record? I tell you, I, I think mar I think I think drinking alcohol. It's a hundred times worse than smoking weed. Me too. Especially dri driving. People are driving yeah, sure. drunk. You know, yeah. I mean, you got to do both at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> like One counteracts the other. It kind of balances it out. <laughs> no, I, I just think that. I mean, how many times working in homicide did you have someone commit a homicide that was high on weed? Never. <laughs> drunk. No, no, I, I've seen. Everything it. is I've drunk. Seen that. Yeah, Everything always, is drunk. Uh, your temper you know, flares. There was a lot of violence attached to weed sales. Yeah, we, in yeah. homicide there was. Mm -hmm. You know, but now maybe because they take the profit out of it that uh 
you know. First now of the, all, the well, that's a business thing. First of all, all the pot- it's not because of the effects of what pot does to you. No, it's no, a business it's the business thing. thing. We're killing yeah. each other because it's. First it of all, if you, if you notice, like I like. Continuing like what I'm doing now, I work. I'm a private investigator. But I work for a foster care agency also. You know, as a private investigator, I do. And one thing I can tell you right now: Have you noticed that you don't hear about the Bloods or the or the Crips anymore? Yeah, yeah. You know I why? Mean. Human trafficking. That's all they're involved in. We're, we're going to get into yeah. that on this the second part because mm-hmm. we didn't even get to special victims yet, and yep. yeah, we've got some unbelievable stories. Okay, so. Um, that we were getting there. Um, you're doing the rip. You do it for four years. And how oh, whatever you... time. I'm not sure how many years. And then what, and what ha- happens? So then what happens? Um, we have a big pattern. There's a big pattern rape case in the two three where an old lady gets killed and she gets raped in the 19th precinct in the housing projects. So all of sex crimes is working out at two three precinct, and um, they're working on this sex crimes case, homicide. And um, there's a Lieutenant Marcus, I believe was his name. And Lieutenant Marcus, um, you know, he sees me always working. He says to me, um, listen, would you want to go to sex crimes one day? And I go, I don't know. So one of the detectives, Quinones, tells me, tell him yes. You know, that's a good unit. You should consider going to sex crimes. I go, all right, maybe, you know. So the, so Did you get your shield yet? Uh, I didn't have a shield yet. I was still a white shield. And, how, and for four years, you didn't, it took... No, I, I had more time. I had like five no, years. No, but they didn't, that was, the 18-month yeah. law wasn't around No, no, yet. it so wasn't around then. So four years, at least. Years yeah. She didn't have a shield. No. You didn't get your shield. So, so then I, so then I, I left... I, so then I, um, so then one day I'm walking on 86th Street and Marcus had retired. I'm walking on 86th Street and like between 3rd and Lexington, I happen to bump into him. He goes, "Hey Irma," I go, "Hey Lou, how you doing?" He's retired. He goes, "Listen, do you still want to go to sex crimes?" I go, "Yeah, if I could." And next week I went into sex crimes. Wow. So oh, he good. actually hooked me up and sent me into sex crimes. And then I was in sex crimes for I was there for 10 years. That was the hardest. The first week there, the first two weeks there was the one of the hardest times of my career. Why is that? I, I had never. Well, you had never experienced had, the kind of cases you I were I had working. never in my life really knew because it didn't happen to me. Again, you know, like you hear about stories, but like I wasn't really familiar with, you know, people having sex with kids. And I remember the first week that I was in sex crimes, I, 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 there was a locker and I, looked, and I looked in the locker and there was like a lot of photographs. And I see these photographs of a little girl performing oral sex on a man. Her naked on a bed with her brothers. It turned out later on that it was her brothers. And, and it was just so... I mean, disgusting for sick. me. Yeah. And, and not only that, I couldn't, I couldn't sleep for two weeks. For two weeks, it just bothered me that people can actually do this because I wasn't familiar with that. Right. You know, you hear stories and you hear stuff, but when you actually see it, it's nothing like seeing something and actually like seeing like a, a picture of a little girl performing oral sex. I couldn't even believe that that can actually happen. It hurt you physically. It hurt me in my head a little bit. Yeah, yeah. it made me like, you know. And then I started thinking about how, how protective my mother was towards me when I was a kid. Like, you know, she always made sure that, uh, you know, that no one did anything to me. She always protected me. Mates told me about that stuff. Don't let no one touch you. Right. You know, so. So you were taking, when you, when you got there and you started looking through these, uh, these photos, did you say to yourself, I'm happy I'm here. I'm going to make a difference. Of course. You always feel that way. You know, you always feel like you're going to make a difference, but even if you make a difference in one kid's life where, you know, um, where you believe the kid and, and you, you do a case and you find out that the kid was actually molested or raped or whatever, it makes a big difference. Because a lot of times people didn't believe did, did, kids. Did anyone take you under their wing in special victims? Um, there, was, there was one old-time female, Joan Tansy. I'm not sure if you remember her. No, I don't remember. Uh, she was pretty cool. Like, you know, she was a little bit rough around the edges, but mm-hmm. um, people used to call me um, Little Tansy, you know? <laughs> so I took that as a compliment because yeah. I thought she knew, she knew her stuff, you know? You I, now, actually, I actually there, called her. Well, was special victims separated into the sex crime? 
crimes and the child abuse back then, or that was no. all together? It was all together. Yeah, it was yeah. called the Sex Crimes Unit. We worked right. out of the two old when I yeah. first came on, and um, I was there for I was there for ten years, and then um, eventually I got I got pulled out of the catching order for sex crimes around the time of that Matias Reyes thing, and I was put into the child abuse team. Yeah, unbelievable. The child abuse team was. That was, that was That's rough. a horror. That's a horror. I mean, I, so, I, I drove home crying sometimes over cases that was so, so you horrific. you are very sensitive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but you are sensitive, but at the same time, you learn how to shut your feelings off. Right, right. And I and I and I'll tell you, I, I'm so good at shutting it off now. I've gotten, I mean, as an adult, I've, as an adult, I was an adult when I was, was a cop, but you know, <laughs> you were just a little, I was adult, a little adult. <laughs> yeah, but now I know how to shut it off. It's yeah. pretty good. I'm, I've learned, you know, throughout the years, you learn how to switch it on and off. Yeah, know, sure. So. You know, we're coming on an hour right now, and we just got... You're so easy to talk to, obviously. <laughs> and we just got to where you're entering special victims. So on the next episode, yeah, right, we're going to get much deeper into that. But this is fascinating. It really is fascinating. Yeah, so... Um, I think I can talk so much. <laughs> yeah, no, you can. We're going to pick up. <laughs> we're going to pick up right after... Um, where we left off, which is you entering sex crimes. Okay. And uh, in the meantime, we're going to refresh our coffee cups here. You're having co- uh, uh, tea cups. You're having coffee. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll be back. We'll okay. be back with uh, part two. Okay, great. Uh, Rivera, Miss Homicide. <laughs> 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 Thank <laughs> you.